Good morning. Welcome to Laurel Heights, where we promise preaching and teaching from the text of Scripture. And after a few minutes of introduction, I'll take us back to John chapter 5. You heard that text earlier, and we will be back there in just a moment. The song we just finished using in our worship marks the theme of the sermon series this year. Who will follow Jesus? And today's sermon is number 12, and therefore the final installment of this year's theme. These sermons have been designed to add to our general knowledge of what it means to follow Jesus Christ every day. We have worked that theme into various specific aspects of discipleship, believing that good hearts are ready for additional knowledge, review, and self-examination. Now for our attention today in this final sermon. I remember hearing this simple statement many years ago. Jesus left heaven so we could go to heaven. There's more to the gospel story than just that sentence. But that much is true and compelling. Jesus left heaven so we could go to heaven. Now, we know from Scripture that it is not automatic or something like universal salvation regardless of one's desire will. God doesn't impose Himself on us against our will and make us what we don't want to be. We must be responsive to His grace. Yet, there is a rather popular sentimental concept that you will hear when people die. That, of course, they get to go right to heaven. No matter what they've done about God, People may not articulate a very complicated doctrine of universal salvation. Nevertheless, mostly from misguided kindness and sentimental affection, people just want to say that about almost anyone who dies, they get to go to heaven. Yet we know what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, not Everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, <clears throat> will enter the kingdom of heaven. So we've been studying this year about following Jesus. Following Jesus to arrive where he is someday. That means making the initial personal choice to leave sin, act on faith in Christ in repentance and baptism using Scripture to discover God's will about all of this and how you ought to live, following Jesus to better relationships, taking your family with you, joining with others, and reaching out to people who are lost. So now today, the destination. And we're going to start with this reality check. And it's going to take us back to the passage Robin read in John 5, 28 and 29. I need to begin this morning with this very simple 
fact, death is not the end. In movies and plays and novels and TV drama, it is usually true that death is portrayed as the end. Common theme in movies seems to be there is no afterlife. Life just comes to a cold stopping place. And suddenly there's just nothing. <clears throat> death to many is just nothing but the end. Breathing stops and the heart stops and the legal pronouncement is made and the body's form and substance changes. Death to many is just the end. But we are people who believe this, that Jesus said, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Jesus doesn't speak of death as the end, does he? He speaks of what will happen sometime after death. And he speaks of it in a way that we immediately know that one outcome is to be desired and the other is not. <clears throat> the resurrection unto life is desired. The resurrection unto judgment and condemnation is dreaded and to be avoided. I'm ready to say to us now, that if you want the more desirable of the two destinations and you want to know how to choose the resurrection unto life, here's what you need to do. Listen carefully now. You may want to write this down. If you want to avoid the resurrection unto judgment and condemnation and you desire the resurrection unto life and you want to find out about that, about all that, here's what you need to do. Read everything before this passage and then read everything after this passage and then respond according to the instructions about following Jesus. Let no one deceive you into thinking it's more complicated or mysterious or improbable than what the New Testament says. Jesus says, Death is not the end. There is an afterlife. There are two destinies. One is unto life and the other unto judgment or condemnation. And everything else in the New Testament supplies <clears throat> from a God of grace the instruction about how to choose the far better resurrection outcome. Number two follows. You will spend eternity somewhere. I want you to listen again. Do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. We know that all the dead will be raised. Look again, 
Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I'm not very good at math, but I can see only two eternal destinies. One is good and the other is not. How simple is that? Now, at this point, it might be good to see what else Jesus has said. So let's go back and visit Matthew 25, just for a moment. Matthew chapter 25. Jesus in Matthew 25 speaks of final judgment when he comes in his glory. And I want us to look at the last verse in Matthew 25. Speaking of the unrighteous, <clears throat> he said, These will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. Are you still counting? Only two options. All will be raised. Death is not the end. All will be raised. Some are headed for one outcome. The rest are headed for the other outcome. And that reality should put people on notice that a choice must be made now. I'll get to that in a few minutes. A choice must be made now. Doesn't this reality build in you the desire for the far better outcome? For the third time. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out <clears throat> those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Just reading that, doesn't that build in you the desire for the far better outcome? Which will it be? The resurrection unto life or the resurrection unto judgment? And that leads me now to the third point in our study. You really cannot avoid a choice. <clears throat> I mean a choice that you make while you're still here and alive. I want you to be turning to the book of 1 John. 1 John and then we'll be in 2 Corinthians 4 before we make our final points. You cannot avoid a choice. A choice you make while you're still here. Here's something you will not miss <clears throat> reading the epistles of John. We're in 1 John chapter 5, but here's something about John's writings you cannot miss. John doesn't play around with in-betweens and maybes or vague neutrality. John says, do you love God or not? John says, are you walking in the light? Are you walking in darkness? John doesn't carve out this huge middle road that you can comfortably travel without responsibility to God. So listen to John. In 1 John 5, I'm going to read 11 to 13. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. 
I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you see what I mean? Though we have sinned, God is willing to grant eternal life to us in His Son, only in His Son. Only in His Son can I know there is a good resurrection in my future. John wants to make this so plain. He says in verse 12, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. John doesn't give a third option. No middle ground, no vague neutrality, no safety zone between the two. You cannot avoid a choice. The message to all men through the gospel is you can choose to continue in sin and live in sin and have that outcome or you can choose to obey the gospel, enter into fellowship with God through the Son and live in the Son and follow Jesus and expect the resurrection unto life. A choice is to be made. And it can be expressed in these terms. Do you want to go to heaven? Death is not the end of you. You will spend eternity somewhere. I will spend eternity somewhere. We cannot avoid a choice. You and I are living some choice right now, daily. When we get up and get about our activities, either we stick to the right choice we made or we turn from that right choice. I want to take us to another place in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 17 and 18. Paul has, at this point in the 2 Corinthian letter, a perspective to clarify his own about the temporary nature of our existence here. This matches very well what we're studying in Ecclesiastes in the adult class. Paul has a perspective to clarify his perspective about the temporary nature of our existence here. He says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I heard a statement <clears throat> not too long ago that may sound crude, but it seems well suited for a good reflection on what Paul clarifies about perspective. And the statement I ran across was this. If you can lay your eyes on it, kiss it goodbye. If you can lay your eyes on it, kiss it goodbye. And that is confirmed by what we read in Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanity, Solomon wrote, for those who seek fulfillment on this earth. Absent God. And get their lives locked into what they can see. 
Paul's mind was not focused on the temporal, the earthly existence. That for him was not pleasant, but an affliction. And he knew it would be over. And he knew there would be something better for the people of God. Paul's mind was preeminently occupied with the eternal weight of glory. And about that he said, it is beyond comparison. It is beyond comparison. There is nothing like being in the presence of God. In fellowship with Him now and then to spend eternity with God. On the other hand, the things we have now, the possessions, the attractions of this present world, the pastimes and transient things, the scene, it'll all go away. We spend so much time enslaved to things that are not eternal, neglecting what is unseen, but eternal and real and perfectly satisfying. I say to you again, if you can lay your eyes on it, Kiss it goodbye. Better to keep your eye on the prize, the eternal, the resurrection unto life that Jesus died for us to have, about which we can just respond to Him initially, and then as His disciple after baptism, and have what God wants us to have after death. Do you want to go to heaven? This world is not our home. Jesus gave all He had for us to go where He is now. Jesus left heaven so that we can go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. Don't you? I want to get as far away from sin as possible. And God says I can through Christ. I want to go where good people will be everywhere around me, and God says I can through Christ. I want to go where joy is perfect, where love governs everyone and everything, where there is no anticipation of pain or suffering or stress or unpredictable turmoil, where there is nothing but purity and goodness, and God says I can through Jesus Christ. I want to be with God who made me, and God says I can through Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you this, the worst thing about hell is the absence of God forever and without any hope. The best thing about heaven is the presence of God forever without any thought that it will ever change. A boy and his father were traveling in a car when a bee flew through the open window. The boy was so highly allergic to bee stings that both he and his father knew that the boy's life was in danger. And as the boy frantically jumped around and tried to avoid the agitated bee, the father calmly reached out and grabbed the bee. And when he opened his hand, the bee began to fly again, terrorizing the boy once more. And the father then said, Look, son, holding up a hand with an implanted stinger. 
His stinger is gone. He can't hurt you anymore. As the bee loses its stinger when it stings, so death lost its sting when it stung Jesus. Let's go to heaven. It's a place of beauty compared to a pure bride. It's a place of comfort, a realm of peace and safety, unlike anything on earth. It is a place of fellowship with deity. I've often said the best thing about heaven will be being in the presence of God. The worst thing about hell will be the eternal absence of God. Heaven is a place of rest, reward, security, worship, and joy. Let's go to heaven by following Jesus. We can get there. Please respond while we stand together to sing.